Hello and welcome to X-Ray FM's Space Segment. If you want to catch our episode, listen in to X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8am. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and let's get into the news. The first piece of news comes from SpaceX, and it just happened yesterday. Starhopper completed its 150 meter hop. And wow, it... I mean, it really was amazing to see it happen. If you haven't watched it, definitely go to YouTube, uh, go to SpaceX's uh, official page, and they do actually show you the launch. Uh, it's you, you really can see everything. Originally, it was supposed to launch on the 26th, but that didn't really work. I believe there was something wrong, uh, Elon said on Twitter, to do with the ignition for the engine, but they definitely worked that out for today, and it launched beautifully. Uh, It was really amazing, actually. The only thing I can kind of compare this to is the Falcon Heavy launch uh, that SpaceX did in 2018, where they launched that Tesla into space, because this really is that groundbreaking. This is part of the prototype that's going to take humans to Mars. I mean, this is, like, huge. Uh, And it worked. Uh, This whole thing, uh, people thought it was a joke. People thought, oh, you can't really build a space shuttle or a spaceship out behind a shed tent in Boca Chica, Texas. But, hey... It worked. So there goes the naysayers. There's actually been quite a lot of other work being done on the Starship. And interestingly enough, and I didn't know about this until just a couple of days ago, Super Heavy. Now, I'll give you a little bit of a rundown because I know a lot of people will not know what is Super Heavy? What's Starship? What what even is Star Hopper? So just to give you a rundown, uh, SpaceX is looking at launching humans Uh, as an interplanetary species to Mars uh, and other planets, actually, in the solar system. And to do that, we need a large ship. We need a ship that's going to at least carry 100 people uh, to a separate planet. Now, they already have rockets like the Falcon 9s, but if you really want to go far, you you need a larger rocket, and that's what Starship is. So Starship's going to be this massive chrome rocket uh, it Seriously, if you have a look at this thing, it looks like it's something out of a 1930s space comic. It's that outlandish, the, just the design of it. And that's what they're building right now down in Boca Chica, Texas, and also on the Florida coast. Now, this is where we get to Starhopper and Super Heavy and Starship. So Starhopper is a prototype test mule for Starship. It's the top portion of the rocket. That's where the humans will be. That's that's the top portion of the rocket that will be jettisoned uh, off to Mars or the other planets uh, that it might go to. The bottom massive part of the rocket, which actually gets it into uh, orbit, is called Super Heavy. It's a massive big pillar. Uh, that That is actually being built as well. So just for a size scale, Starship with the Super Heavy on the bottom, the whole thing in total... It's going to be much taller than Saturn V by like quite a bit. And they are building a full-scale version of this right now. So now you might say, well, okay, this is this is for space. Who, you know, only a couple of people are going to go to Mars in reality, but you know, but wrong. 
Starship isn't just for interplanetary travel. Starship is actually going to maybe even take over the airplane industry. And why do I say that? Well, the whole rocket is reusable. Think about it like this. Elon said this actually in a talk that he did over in Austin, Texas. But imagine if you had a small plane or even just your car and you're going from point A to point B. Now, normally you drive your car and you get out and maybe you need to fill the car up to go back to point A, right? After you've got to point B. Well, that's not really how it works in the space industry. Space uh, rockets, as they've been used so far, imagine getting into your car, driving there, and throwing the whole car away. How wasteful is that? And also, how expensive is that? Say you spent, I don't know, 10000 on that car. Well, hey, you've got to spend another 10000 to get back. So that point A to point B trip cost you, and back, cost you like $20,000. That is insane. But if we look at it from a reusability point of view, like what we use cars and planes to do, we fly somewhere, drive somewhere, we fill it up, and we come back. You've reused your mode of transport. That's what SpaceX is doing, and that's what all the other private industries are doing with their rockets. So Blue Origin's doing that with their new Shepard, and you've got it with Virgin Galactic. But SpaceX is doing something a little bit more on a larger scale. So getting back to that point, imagine if you had a ship, a rocket ship, that you could launch and land without replacing the whole thing. It's all reusable, which they've done before, from one place on Earth to another. So imagine if you went from, I don't know, Portland, all the way over down to Australia in about 30, 40, 50 minutes. Now that's, that is a huge saving in time. If anybody's ever gone to Australia, you'll know it's, it's a really, really long flight. But with Starship, you'd be there in less than an hour. But I didn't get to the best part. Now for the people who have flown to Australia, you also know it's quite expensive to get a flight there. Now what if I told you that you could go in a SpaceX Starship in under an hour to Australia for around $2,000? Now I know that's a little bit more than the flight, but you're talking about cutting down from 20 hours to under an hour. And I know a lot of people that would probably save up that extra bit to not have to deal with that whole palaver. Now, another thing, you might think, oh, well, okay, that's great. If you wanna go from one place to another, yeah, that's fine, long distance. Incorrect. You could also go from point to point in North America. You could go from Los Angeles to New York. The quoted figure was between $500 and $2,000 anywhere on the planet. And keep in mind, when you're flying a ship like that, it's not like an airplane where you can only do maybe one flight in a day. This is something that can do the same trip in like a tenth or a twentieth of the time. So that would cut costs quite a bit. So this whole Starhopper wasn't just about, oh yeah, it worked, we can go to space. This was actually about completely changing how we look at transportation in general. So, as you can probably hear, I'm pretty excited about that, and I hope everybody else is. Now, moving on to some of the other news. The Air Force has been actually testing a spacecraft called the X-37B, and actually broke the record for 719 days in orbit. And you know what's interesting? Nobody really knows what it's actually doing. Now, they gave a, a whole spiel that uh, technology was being tested on it um, for on-orbit uh, testing for merging technologies. Uh, but the officials, they're, they're not too happy to tell us what else the XR-37 can do, uh, which is a little bit, you know, it could be national security, and that's totally understandable, but it does make you think. So the actual Air Force spokesman, Major William A. Russell, 
mentioned that the technologies being tested in the program include advanced guidance, navigation and control thermal protection systems, avionics, high temperature structures and seals, conformal reusable insulation, lightweight electromagnetical flight systems, advanced propulsion systems, advanced materials and autonomous orbital flight, re-entry and landing. Wow, that was a mouthful. And the XR-37B is actually using hull thrusters, and they use what's a, an electric field to accelerate xenon propellant. Now, you might think, what is xenon propellant? That, I've never heard of that before. And to be honest, I never heard about it before. So I had a little look. So xenon propellant is usually unreactive, but it can undergo a few chemical reactions, such as, wait for it, xenon hexafluoroplatinate. What a mouthful that is. So the more conventional term is ion thrusters, and they are super efficient. And that's how that ship can go for 719 days plus in orbit. Anyway, heading on to the next piece of news, Space Command, also known as Spacecom, will launch in August 29th. So this was something announced at the National Space Council meeting. We actually had the Vice President Mike Pence, and you also had NASA Administrator Jim Burdenstein. Uh, and he actually had a quite an interesting story when uh, they announced the Spacecom. Uh, he noted that when he was in the White House, there was a box of M&Ms, and it had Trump's name on it. And when he asked, why are there M&Ms here? He was told that there were kind of an inside thing about the Mars and Moon, M and M. And what that refers to is the goal to aim for the Mars and the Moon. Because it's not just the moon that we're aiming for. It's also Mars. So it's a nice little bit of humor uh, for the great road ahead to get humans to the moon by 2024. Uh, but anyway, the Spacecom, which is what will be called uh, Space Command, will have 87 units in it. So that's actually going to cover uh, missile warning, satellite operations, space control, and space support. And that was Air Force General John J. Raymond uh, that mentioned those. So the next piece of news, you may remember last week that we talked about Fedor, the robot in the Soyuz craft heading to the ISS. Uh, it's quite scary, actually. If you go and check out a video of him, uh, he, he does look a little bit like the Terminator. But uh, unfortunately, it seems like a glitch happened when his uh, Soyuz craft was trying to dock properly with the ISS. So they actually have to reattempt the dock, and that will be carried out a little later this week. Next piece of news comes from NASA. The atomic clock has been activated. Uh, this is kind of cool, actually. Now, the best way I could describe this, if you look way back, way long time ago, to when we had the great navigators of the Earth going across the ocean in their ships, they had to sync their, all their clocks with, I believe, a location in the United Kingdom. And that's how they navigated. This is interesting because this is the next step. We're now talking about effectively sailing in space uh, and we need something to base all our navigation around. And having something like an atomic clock, which is hyper accurate, is necessary. And also it's quite interesting they've got this to work because that also means spacecraft are now going to be designed, possibly even built in space, uh, because now they can actually navigate without having to receive directions from Earth. And I'll go into the next little bit. You know how we were talking about Starhopper? Imagine this for a minute. There is going to be a heavy hull uh, kind of a starship. Uh, it's going to literally, it, the purpose is to just transport materials. Imagine if we transported enough materials into space, 
created this massive space station. I mean, a proper big space station where you could house possibly a couple of hundred people, uh, maybe even a thousand, I don't know. We'll just think creatively with it. You could actually travel from Earth in a massive craft all the way over to Mars and back. It could kind of be a, uh, if you want, transfer vessel where you would transfer the majority of people from point A, which would be Earth's orbit, to point B, Mars orbit, or maybe even the moon, and have little shuttles, possibly, let's just suggest, the Dream Chaser, which is a kind of like a, a miniature version of the space shuttle, which exists, uh, to transport people down to the surface. So you would have this massive ship, uh, this massive station that would never land on the planet, but would just go from orbit to orbit. It wouldn't ever go into the atmosphere. And it would be massive. And the thing is, we've literally got pretty much everything. I mean, this is this is not science fiction. This is this is absolutely possible. Uh, and especially with those nuclear engines, you could get there fairly quickly. And when I say quickly, I mean three months from Earth to Mars. That's that's really not that bad. I mean, think about a uh, a nice cruise boat. That's what it could be like. You never know. All right, so the next piece of news is the Starship Progress. Now, this was something that, again, I wasn't 100% sure about, but now I can definitively say they are working on the full Starship and Super Heavy. Uh, the way I can tell this is from the photos that we're seeing from the construction yard, they actually have these massive rings ready to stack on top of the Super Heavy. And interestingly, uh, if you've if you have Googled what the Starship looks like, you'll see it's kind of patchy. There's like panels of steel that are polished, but it's kind of patchwork. These rings are actually one piece, it looks like. So it's a lot quicker. It's a lot easier probably to put together than having these individual parts riveted in place. And if you still think this is all sci-fi, just remember, this is all stuff that exists. This is existing technology. It's only now that it's all starting to come together. Just look at electric cars. In the early 1990s, electric cars were kind of seen as a niche market. Then Tesla came around and they started to become more popular. And now you've got electric cars everywhere. Ford's coming out with an electric F-150. You've got Chevy coming out with their... Everybody's starting to adapt. I'm telling you, space is the next step and it's happening quick. We went through the technology age, which is also known as the glass age. And now we're going into the space age. And this is really when things get interesting. So if you ever feel like, what's the point? Just think about, we're about to become interplanetary. Everything you've seen in sci-fi, part of it's actually going to become a reality. But that's it for this week. Remember, if you want to keep up to date, listen to X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8am and I'll catch you next time.